Welcome to Second Act Fit Pros. I'm your host, Erin, a certified functional aging specialist, and this is the podcast where I highlight the vibrant and active lives of health and fitness professionals over 50. This is the show for those who believe that age is just a number and that life's work is far from over when you hit the half century mark. I'll talk to inspiring individuals who have a passion for health and create a second act career in health and fitness. So whether you're approaching 50 or already well into your second act, join me as I explore the possibilities and opportunities in the health and fitness field. I'm talking with Diana McNeil. Her business is called Mindful Movement RX. She is a bone health exercise coach whose personal mission is to help people living with osteoporosis move well. She conducts consultations, personal training, and group classes all online and makes exercise safe, accessible, and fun for people with low bone density. Links to Diana's website, Instagram account, and YouTube channel are in the show description. If you're inspired to pursue a job in health and fitness, take my online interactive informational class, The Ultimate Job for Active and Healthy Adults Over 50. I hold it once a month and my next class is Thursday, May 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. A link to register is in the show description. I thought I'd start off with what is your age and what do you do? Sure. Thanks, Erin. And first of all, thanks for having me on. It's really uh exciting for me to share my practice and what I do with others. Um, So the question was, how old am I? And what do I do? Um, I'll be 55 next month. And specifically, I teach online classes uh, to a demographic of people who have been deemed with or told they have low bone density. And that could include osteopenia or osteoporosis as a primary or secondary um, diagnosis. Some get it due to medication, some get it just because genetically or they um, things have happened in their life uh, to um, increase their risk of a fracture. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. I teach online and I also do private consultations for people who are newly diagnosed and terrified to move. Um, so they will come to me and I'll use my, uh, my training, my understanding, my, uh, education to help them be less fearful and to have a a path to move forward in their movement practice. So you call yourself a bone health coach, correct? Yeah. Exercise coach. Bone health exercise coach. Yeah. What kind of education credentials did you have to get to learn how to be a bone health exercise coach? Well, I mean, listen, that let's be honest, all those titles are just like self-imposed. Like I just created the name just so people got an idea of what my niche was, because for me to say I'm an exercise coach or a strength coach or a Pilates teacher wasn't specific enough for people. Um, So in order to find my audience, I had to create that title. In terms of my training, uh, I have done the Osteoporosis Canada um, course in person. That was back in the day when they did it in person. They might be back to it now called Bone Fit. Um, it's trademarked in Canada, but I do understand that they are doing it in the United States as well. So there's an affiliate in the United States that does the bone fit training. Um, it does not give you a certification. Like if I was just Diana, the, I don't know, the office worker, and I went and did a bone fit course that would not qualify me to teach, uh, 
bone fit classes or classes with the bone fit protocol, what it does do is it aims to educate people who are already in the industry, already have certifications and training to mitigate the risk of a fracture in their client base. So I've got the bone fit training. Also, uh, there is a program or a physical therapist in my province of Ontario, Canada, uh, Margaret Martin. And she is online and probably everybody is familiar with the wonderful resources. She has a a very affordable program um, called Better Bones. Um, I'm I'm almost 100% positive it's called Better Bones. Um, And it's very affordable and it's online and it's on your own time. And it's just like you go through one at a time. I think it took me, oh gosh, I think two to three months to complete the course on my own. Um, and then, yeah, you get a, a little certificate that says you completed the program. There's no test with that one, unlike Bone Fit, where you have to take a, a little mini exam. Um, so those are the two things that kind of are umbrellas, if you will, above all my other training and certification. So with that, and also, um, not that this has really anything to do with my business, but I've become more well-informed using the resources from Osteoporosis Canada, and I became a volunteer with them just before the pandemic. I want to see a, say a year before the pandemic. So it's been about four years I've volunteered. And so I'm always um, finding resources on their site, talking with people within the organization and my students um, because I'm a support group facilitator and um, I have my own program. So learning from my students as well. Uh, so yeah, that's specifically yeah. what I have learned over and above my existing training. Okay. And what inspired you to do specifically bone health and osteoporosis? Yeah, and that's a great question because um, I've always been the person who has seen within a class the people that feel challenged in a particular shape or a movement practice. And at the beginning of every single class I've taught for years, I've always said, please let me know if there's anything that you are living with, dealing with that's recurring, new condition. Let me know at the beginning of class. You don't have to say it out loud in front of people. You can come off to the side and let me know. And trying to offer variations based on other education and training I've had for everyone. Um, But what I did notice as I started working with a larger population of older adults at a country club many years ago, that people were coming to me saying, oh, I'm on Prolia or I'm on this or I'm on that. I'm like, I I don't know what that is. Oh, I have osteoporosis, but don't worry, I'm all good. And I'm like, hmm, all good. I I don't think that's the case. All I literally knew about osteoporosis was that keep your spine straight. All right. So don't twist. Don't do that. Don't do this. So I thought there was probably a little bit more for me to learn in that my older client base kept coming to me off to the side, maybe in the group, letting me know they had osteopenia, osteoporosis, low bone density. Um, And I just felt like I wasn't prepared enough to assist them in their movement practice. And I always do my best to um, give variations for everybody but I don't believe I was well-versed at the time in supporting them in their movement practice. Yeah. Okay. What were you doing before? It sounds like you were still teaching movement, but not specifically for osteoporosis and for bone health. Yeah. I mean, I was doing all the same things essentially. I mean, not necessarily group X or group fitness per se, but I was a yoga Pilates teacher. I was a gentle movement teacher, a corporate 
stretch and mindfulness teacher, a Pilates teacher, uh, a bar teacher. Like I taught all different modalities. And then I started getting more into strength training. And I took them a program called an exercise coach with an uh, education platform here in Toronto. But they do online too called DTS Fitness Education, brilliant program on strength training and some other courses that I've done. So yeah, I took all of those courses, but then again, within those courses, there was never really a lot of information specific to people with low, low bone density. So I just, because I kept hearing it more and more from my students, I got more and more curious. And that's when I found out about BoneFit and Margaret Martin. And yeah, I just, I'm constantly learning. I also have done, I want to say it's not specific to low bone mineral density or osteoporosis. But when I did the online training, um, uh, the essential foundation program, modern management for older adults with ice physical therapy, they had an, a segment within it and they really provide amazing resources there as well. Even if you're not in their program, there's tons of free resources, uh, provided by ice. Um, what an amazing group of people. I probably want to say that out of all my training, I've learned the most from them on how to deal with my population, my, my people, if you will. And I include myself in one of them, although technically I'm not a boomer. Um, and sadly I never will be, but <laughs> I'm not one of them. I'm not one of the gang, but I'm very darn close to it. So yeah, you're on the cusp. I'm on the cusp. I'm <laughs> like the kid who really wants to be one of you. <laughs> what do you find is common for misinformation or lack of education for people in that are low bone density that are coming to you in regards to physical activity and exercise, do you feel like there's a lack of education around doing exercise with low bone density? Yeah. I mean, I think when I first started and I would say to people who joined my program, so I started off with a program. It was actually just this January. It's been four years that I've been teaching this signature class of mine specific to people with low bone density called bone fitness. And I always start off with a little education segment at the beginning. Now, because I'm online, I create a little video, an intro video, but in person, I used to say to them, so quick question, how many people know how many ways your spine moves? And I would get maybe people would say twist and then they would say round, you know, but so they didn't really understand the movements of the spine. And so if you don't understand how your spine moves, what are the different movements, then how are we supposed to protect a part of our body that is more susceptible to fracture? Because if you're, if you're familiar with osteoporosis, there are four main sites full of trabecular, which is that honeycomb type structure um, that is more susceptible to breakage and our spine being the primary one. Uh, so I think the, the thing was, was to educate them on their spinal movements. And once you understand that, then it's really interesting how you can easily integrate. I use the term best practices in your movement practice. So I am aiming to give them that information that they can stay safe and fracture free within a class, but also take off of their mat. And I think the other thing is that people feel like, oh, I, I shouldn't lift weights because I might break a bone doing it. So I think the biggest obstacle I've come across as an instructor is, is getting students away from the bottles of water from the two pound weights, which let me preface that by saying could be good for some populations. 
perhaps the population that is, you know, bedridden, perhaps the population that is wheelchair bound. Um, so there may be a time and a place for a bottle of water and a two pound weight, but I would argue that they're not helping their future selves become more stronger, mobile and fracture free by continuing to use those weights. So I get a lot of pushback and resistance Mm -hmm. from certain teachers who um, get a little defensive because they think I'm speaking to them and I'm not speaking to them. But what I'm saying is that our clients deserve to gain knowledge and strength through their time with you. So, and, and I think one last thing I want to say to that point is people in that fear state that people often come to when they are diagnosed, newly diagnosed, or just not aware of what they can do is that they're really creating an obstacle for themselves if they don't continue to get stronger. So there are so many benefits and you can ask my students who have been in my programs for four years, specific to osteoporosis, their range of motion, their ability to do things, their ability to recover from a fall without fracturing is so much more superior to what it was prior to that. And it's really sad because I find our, our medical system here in Canada um, is simply saying to people, oh, don't lift more than 10 pounds. You have, you know, high risk category of fracture. And I'm like, there is nothing good to come of telling someone not to lift anything heavier than 10 pounds. And if they're fearful of lifting heavy, I say to them, I'm more fearful of you falling and fracturing of you not doing exercise and hurting yourself because your range of motion is limited. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no nut, there's no nutshell around that question. Sorry. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. there's just so much to it, you know, and, and I really feel we owe it to, they're taking their time, their energy, maybe their finances. If, if it's not a free community class or, or they're in a, uh, a setting where they have to pay. And so we owe them empowerment, education, and strength. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And Overcoming that fear is a big one. That's hard. It is. How have you been able to do it? It sounds like education is one way. Yeah. It's not as hard as you think it is because I give people full autonomy of their body. So I often say to them, you know, I struggled with sleep for a decade, perimenopausal, lack of sleep, or so I thought there, it was actually sleep apnea, which took 10 years to figure out, but that's another story. But I give them autonomy because sometimes I would come to class as an instructor and I'm honest with them. Like, yo, I had two hours of sleep y'all. So I'm not going to be lifting heavy and demonstrating today. I'm going to keep things basic. I'm not going to hinge to my full ability. I'm not going to swap squat to my deepest level. So I think I give them the power to make that choice. Um, and additionally I give variations within a class and I'll tell you a quick little story. My first ever teacher training was in 2009 and it was yoga based, half a yoga based. And I remember saying to the teacher at the time, so-and-so, what if they can't, I felt like a two-year-old, you know, the two-year-old was always like, what, why, why, how come, why asking those questions. And I'd be like, what if the student can't do this pose? And you know, their response was just tell them what to do, die. 
In other words, just teach the pose, move on. And I didn't, I didn't take to that because I went to talk to the teacher after and say, you know, not everybody's able to do this kind of stuff. We should be able to, but again, it was my first teacher training. It's only 200 hours and gosh, there are so many more trainings that I've done since then that were able to delve deep into the specifics. So like courses for core strength, courses for upper body movement. So, so all those little extra courses on top gave me more skill set to build on my basic trainings over the years, my whatever, whatever mat trainings. I've done like three mat trainings for Pilates, three yoga teacher trainings. Like there's so many. So they all build on each other. But I think giving people choices and also mimicking the choices Don't always mimic the hardest one because I know the students. I know my students really well. We have a really small community here at Mindful Movement Rx. And there's a max, I think, of 60 of us broken up into different classes. But giving people the examples and not always doing the hardest one and knowing your students. I know it's challenging, especially if you're teaching in a large setting. I used to volunteer at the YMCA. There were 70 people in my Pilates class. There is no possible way I could have. And I couldn't even expect myself to give variations for all or know their medical conditions. That was just beyond my scope with that many people. But I know my students and I know their health conditions. I got rotator cuff issues. I got frozen shoulder issues. I've got hip replacements. I've got all of them because they've lived a beautiful life and stuff happens. So giving them the options, never calling them modifications because that always sounds less than, and it drives me mad. It's one of my pet peeves when I hear and modify. And I'm like, no, there's nothing modified about this. This is just different. The results are the same, but they're, you're empowering them to take that um, autonomy over their body in class. Yeah. Yeah. Language is important. Diana, mm. and that's one of the things that you had said, I think, on one of your Instagram posts. Because I've mm-hmm. used the word options and sometimes I've said modifications. Yeah. Um, but variations. Mm. Yeah. It sounds so much better. Like you yeah. could do it this way or you could do it this way. Yeah. Um I, yeah, that language is really important. I even say to them, like, it doesn't matter to me which one you take. You're not proving anything to me as the instructor. You only need to prove to yourself. And if what you're doing is creating harm, there's no value in that. You know, if what you're doing causes pain and agitates an old rotator cuff injury or a medial meniscus tear or whatever it is you're doing. So I don't care which variation you're doing. Pick one that works for you. You've got them in front of you. Now, I don't sound that harsh when I teach. Let me clarify. I just maybe I'm sounding a little harsh right now, but I just want them to know that it's there on them to make the choice. And there are choices for all of us so that we can be part of a community so that we can include everybody and see everybody within that within the class. Yeah. Yeah. How are you finding your students? Because this is a very niche market that you're catering to? How are you finding your clients? Well, when I go back to like when I, that specific for osteoporosis is what you're referring to. So it's only been four years that I focus solely on osteoporosis. So I think my very first incarnation of bone fitness was in person. I rented studio space close to an area I was already teaching in. Um, They were old students of mine. And 
most of them didn't have osteoporosis and some did. And I'll be honest with you, not everybody who takes my class even has osteoporosis, but I feel like they all have something that makes them feel more comfortable that I'm able to offer those variations. And to that point, everybody needs to worry about their bone health. Everybody. Yes. The only thing that would limit someone who say you came to my class um, and you didn't have osteoporosis, you would not find certain movements in my class. So you'd have to make that, you know, like spinal rolls and, um, you know, Pilates ab series type stuff. Like you're not going to find that um, type of movement within my class. So there, there are people that are making that decision that it doesn't matter to them. They they come to you because they like you. I happen to teach and specifically focus on people wanting to maintain and build stronger bones um, and stronger bodies more than anything. But the first incarnation was old students and word of mouth. And then I was lucky enough to work for an online platform that no longer is with us, sadly. Um, <laughs> uh, it was up during the pandemic and then closed after a couple of years. And I met people from across the country and, and the company did not mind. They were really lovely to work for. They did not mind if people reached out to me or I shared my email or stayed in touch. And they just started coming to me from there. Um, also before they closed down and after they closed down. So it was a bunch of circumstances, a lot of word of mouth, and then people find me on social media and Google because I focus on bone health and um, I guess people are looking osteoporosis fitness and somehow they, they stumble across me. Yes. That, that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I found people that are wanting to do yoga, you know, participants that want to do yoga Pilates, but they want to know that they're working with somebody that knows what they're doing with osteoporosis and low exactly. bone density. Cause there's some risks there, obviously. And you want to have mm -hmm. an educated um, coach with you going through that. So there's certainly seems to be a, a need for that market. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. And when I first started doing this four years ago, I certainly didn't see anything. And now it's like every, it, it's becoming more popular, if you will. First mm -hmm. off, we know over 2.5 million Canadians have osteoporosis that have been diagnosed. And over the age of 65, what, what are the statistics? One in three women and one in five men over the age of 65 will sustain a fracture due to osteoporosis. That's like mind-blowing. Um, so it's becoming more and more prevalent for various reasons. They're not 100% sure of the reasons. I, I'm pretty sure a sedentary culture has a lot to do with it. Just the lifestyle we lead in this day and age compared to, say, 50, 60, 100 years ago. Um, so yeah, there's more of a need because there's more people living with osteoporosis, and I just want them to live well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's a great note because I, I'm trying to inspire people that are in the second half of life, getting into health and fitness. And I've talked to women that are interested in doing yoga, Pilates, or offering exercise for specifically for women with osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. And then they ask me, is there a market for that? And I, I think, yes. yes, yes. Huge market. You build it. They will come. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, and, and I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've always had a successful career. I've been teaching um, for 15 years. I've always had a career that I've been proud of. And, but my career oh, since I have 
found a specific audience has actually gotten better. So, uh, which is to me, I guess it makes sense, right? You have a niche, you have a specific market. I don't teach, I don't pretend to be the person who does like the Vanessa yoga class to like hardcore pumping music and 110 degree temperatures. I have no interest in doing that. No interest. So I think finding an audience that appreciates knowledge and appreciates, um, the time we might take compared to say like going to, I'm not going to name any gym, just name a gym that has group fitness classes where they might go, okay, now we're going to do squats with not a lot of detail. I mean, there's online platforms galore where I watch and there's no technique and nothing, nothing that can help people understand what they're doing. Everyone can make the shape of their body, but are you doing it with, um, as I said, the word best practice is just kind of something that pops mm-hmm. to mind um, mm-hmm. to help minimize their risk of fracture. Yes, you do a great job of interspersing education mm-hmm. with your classes mm-hmm. and body awareness and alignment. I was watching your YouTube videos mm-hmm. and you. um, you're great at cueing movement, alignment, and that's a skill. Do you find that something has helped you develop that skill of cueing? Um, well, gosh, I've, I think I've even taken courses on cueing in the past, but I honestly think if I know people who have taken, I've done the seniors fitness instructor program through Western university and it's affiliated with the center for activity and aging. And I met people from all across Canada. Again, it was an online program because it was during the, you know, what days, um, and people who weren't even movers. So they, they're taking up group fitness for older adults without having an embodiment of the movements themselves. And I wish them well. I really support anybody who wants to help older adults stay active and moving and live a, uh, a good quality, independent life. But unless you're a mover and you understand the movement on a cellular level, physically moving the body, cueing will be virtually impossible. You know, and I, I, and I, and back to my first yoga teacher, the one who said, just tell him what to do, die. Um, he would say to me when I get stuck with my words, what do you want them to do? And I'm like, raise their arms. And he goes, so say it. Not all the fluffy stuff before and after. Raise your arms. Because I hear a lot of, and then we're gonna, and now we're gonna. And, you know, like all those extra words, I think. I know I'm a big talker too. Trust me, I I know this. But um, maybe part of my charm, who knows. Um, (laughs) But I think just telling them what to do, but feeling it first before you share it with people. There's nothing that I teach that I haven't done on my own ad nauseum over and over feeling in my body. So yeah, get the movements in your body first. The words will come. Um, I want to go back to acquiring your clients and your class participants. Yeah. One of the things that I find challenging, so I teach group exercise and it's challenging to teach to a group of people that have 
maybe little different ability levels. Some have injuries, some don't, some are osteoporosis, some aren't. There's a variety, right, mm. that can come to class. Mm-hmm. How do you get somebody, like, how does that conversation start? Somebody's interested in a class and they want to come take your class. Is there an intake process you have with somebody mm. that's just starting out? Like, how do you know what's going on with all of your people? How do you keep track oh, of that? Oh, okay. So right now I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. So I have a very basic intake form that doesn't list their age because I don't care as it's no value or no relevance to me, but everybody knows from the title of my classes, the descriptions that you'll find on my website, that they are focused on people with low bone density. However, you are welcome to attend, but there is a section that says other. And so in that section, I ask them to fill out any relevant information any recent injuries, just anything that I should know. And some people know a lot about themselves. Some people write down nothing until I see them in class, not raising their arm over shoulder height. And then I'm like, something's going on. And then I'll send a message to them. I'll email them. My student, a lot of my students, again, there's only 60 of them, but I would say maybe a quarter of them haven't put my cell number in their phone and they'll just like text me. Um, or email me and I will email them back and say, Hey, so-and-so I noticed today that, um, and because I teach only groups of 20 or less, I never teach more than 20. They can unmute themselves. Do you like, if I don't, and I always say, I see you in class. In other words, I am going to provide you with a variation. If I don't provide you with a variation, unmute let me know and, or don't do the exercise and email me after class. So I have a very, I want to say I have a very personal relationship with my students. Um, I want to know about their wins um, and their challenges. And I also have created with my, my platform, a weekly discussion group. So we have topics of interest and we come in and we chit chat about that topic. We'll have guest speakers. And that's another way for us to meet each other and understand who we are. And so I know them much more than just physical. Sometimes I know emotional and things that are going on in their lives that are not always great. So again, back to the autonomy, if they're going to sit out and exercise, I am not going to judge them. Sit on the couch, grab a drink of water, join us when you're ready all as well, because I don't know everything, but I know a lot, I think enough to keep them um, fracture free and to help them get stronger. Yes. That's great that you have a a discussion group. Mm -hmm. That just started this um, January. I just like, there's got to be more. I don't want to just teach people. And we've talked about this, you and I, or I sent a message about what I really do besides teach movement. So yeah. I don't know if Do you, you want, want to dive in, dive yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah no, that. I love about it. And I've had this conversation with other movement teachers and my husband and I talk about this a lot, but I happen to teach movement, but what I really teach is teach to is having people be seen. So I feel that innately in myself, uh, a sense of loneliness in this world. And it's not because I don't have a friend or friends or a partner or family. It's not because of that. There is something innately different in this season in my life, in all of our lives, that makes us feel isolated and alone. 
And so I created my platform, Mindful Movement Rx, so that I can build a community. And my community couldn't just be me teaching a group class for an hour and then off you go, bye-bye, thanks for your money. That's not my interest. So my interest was building community and having people be seen to help encourage them to, I think there's an instructor on Peloton that says, hand on your back, she says all the time. I have my hand on my on your back. And that's what I really want to them to feel is that I have my hand on their back, that I, um, I see them. I see their struggles. I see how beautifully they're doing, how, how much they're pushing themselves. I see all of it. And I see the person, not just the person who pays me for that one hour a week. So yeah, I I just happened to do this all via teaching exercise. But if I was a florist or a dental hygienist or a lawyer or a doctor, I would be doing the exact same thing. Let people know that I, they matter and that they're seen and that I care. So um, I actually meet my students. I've gotten to meet them in person, which is so cool. Um, so yeah, because they're across the country, I don't always get to see them in person. But I always say, if you're in town reach out to me. And there's one student in particular, and I've even gotten to know her daughter. Um, They've been in Toronto twice now. We've gone out for dinner. I'm meeting two students for coffee tomorrow. Um, So yeah, like uh, some of them have become my friends and that's really kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. I love that, Diana. I have found the people, the fitness professionals that are in this industry of serving older adults I have found that they're in it for the people and not for the performance. Mm. Oh, and that's fitness, a good thing to know. Been, uh, it was an industry that I I've kind of had a love hate relationship with. I left and mm. came back, but I feel like the people that are in this older adult space are collaborative, mm. and they're in it for the right reasons. Yeah. And um, so when I hear you say that, it's like. Yes, you are my people. This is what we're here for. And movement just happens to be the avenue that we're taking to see people and get them connected and find community. Yes. Um, that was that was so beautiful. Thank you. You're teaching online, which mm-hmm. has <laughs> has its restrictions oh, yes. and opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that you do a discussion group. Um, I always taught classes in person. And one of the things that I love about class is what happens before and after class. It's the talk that happens between students and you and students before and after class. That can be just as as important as what happens in class. That's why I feel like that discussion group is a way to offer an avenue to do that. And so what kind of things do you keep in mind that you can still see people in this virtual environment? Yeah. Well, first off, to the to the point of being in person and connecting with people before and after class, we do the same thing in our Zoom room. So um, I always open my class um, Zoom about 15 to 20 minutes before um, and people will come on and I'm cleaning my glasses and we'll just start pardon the language, shooting the shit and just chit chatting. Some people I always ask people if they're not if they have a question come on early. If they just want to say hi, or you want to share something that's been going on, come early. Um, And those discussions often create the idea for our discussion groups. 
right? And then to that, after class, I always stick around. There's bound to be questions on and off every now and then. So I stick around after class, we chit chat. And when the last person's logged off, so do I. So we still do get that before and after. Um, but to your question, you said, how do I build more of a sense of community? Is that what your question was? Yeah. Like, how do you, are you, how are you able to see people and build that yeah. community in the virtual environment? Okay. Well, the other thing I did was invest in a very large screen monitor. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure if that's what you mean. And then I minimize the intake of people. So, um, for example, on that platform, I used to teach where they hired me for the one hour to teach. There was a maximum of 99 students. There is no way. I can connect with 99 students because there are multiple screens. I only take 20 students in my group series classes. So all my classes are generally 10 weeks long, excluding this spring because I'm taking a summer hiatus, but they're 10 weeks long. There are a maximum of 20 people. I can count on one hand how many times 20 people have showed up. So every time someone doesn't show up, their gallery gets bigger. And um, so even if all 20 show up, though, I can still see them enough. I, I want to say it's 35 inches. My husband would know. I don't know. It's a large screen television that I've connected my computer to. Um, and so, yeah, I can see them virtually today. For example, we were working on a specific task. Um, and what ended up happening was I saw one student do the movement that I asked not to do or be careful of doing rather, that was the shoulder shrug as we did a front raise. And so not only did I cue the group collectively, but I asked that person if we could just have a quick chat after class. And so we had a quick little discussion. She said to me, her first thought was, how did you see that? I'm like, it's my TV screen. Because <laughs> if I had to teach on a tiny little tablet, like right now I can talk to you on a tablet, it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. But if I had to teach 20 humans on a tablet, they'd be the size of a, a well, you don't have loonies and toonies in the United States, but a, a dollar coin is quite large here, but still not large enough to see the details. I can yeah. actually even see when someone's elevating you know, the, the medial part of their foot, you know, in a movement in their squat, your inner foot is lifting up. So, and so press down through your big toe, feel your connection into the earth. So those are the details I can see because I invested some money um, in a large screen monitor. Yeah. It shows when I see your YouTube videos, it's, you are really paying attention to your students mm-hmm. and giving those variations and, I can only imagine like being a student in your class, like you're feeling seen, like you're in, yeah. in safe that you're yeah. looking out for them and, and yeah. keeping them safe. And that's my goal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any favorite success stories? Uh, honestly, that's a really interesting question. And um, as much as I have lots of emails, I kind of keep a file folder <laughs> for when I'm feeling blue and maybe I'm not making a difference in this world. I just go back and I just read a few because we all have those moments, right? We're all human. Um, but I probably have heard more times than not that I'm able to do this where I couldn't before. I couldn't even get down to the ground. Now I can't. I couldn't get up from the ground without pushing on the sofa. I couldn't pick up my grandchild. Um, I have someone who's a canoer and is like dragging their canoe to the shore. And now they can literally lift, not canoe, sorry, that that's incorrect. 
kayak. I know there's a distinct weight difference between the two. So now they can lift their kayak and um, just all those near misses. I almost fell, but I caught myself because we do a lot of balance training. And, and I, what I try to teach in my classes is not just fall prevention. I have a, I have a little pet peeve about fall prevention strategies. I like to call them fall preparedness strategy. Yes. Right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I used to, like I said, I used to, when I first moved to downtown Toronto, I didn't have a lot of work. So I did some volunteer with the YMCA and I taught classes there and every season they'd have fall prevention workshop. I'm like, is this a magic show? Like, <laughs> you know, like, how are you going to, uh, we've all fallen. Oh my gosh. Life gets in the way. So um, preparing people to fall, giving them strategies on how to fall, um, is, is one of my key elements and probably hit in everyone. I have a class, a series called stronger bones camp, every 10 week series, we probably do a fall preparedness and yes, a fall prevention. And the prevention would be more balanced related cognitive tasks, you know, throwing balls and marching and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, because it's multifactorial as you know, balance. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think, did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was great. You're talking about success stories. Yeah. I mean, like literally just, just, just people telling me on and on again, how they almost fell, but they caught themselves or Mm -hmm. they were able to do this hike and they couldn't do it before, or they were afraid to lift weights. And now they're lifting 10 and 15 pounds where they were always using the water bottle and two pounds. So those little things to me are huge. Mm -hmm. Those huge. Yes, I have people who come to me, but I don't like to say that that's my doing. When someone says, hey, I just had my bone mineral density scan and I'm now no longer osteoporosis, I'm osteopenia. I think it's a far stretch to put that all on me. I think it's probably a culmination of nutrition, of um, staying active, yes, of supplements. And maybe some people were on medication for a while that created stability in their bone mineral density, density. So they were able to go off their drugs for a while. So I don't like to take full credit because as you know, building bone mineral density, once you're over a certain age is not really something that's possible within our scope. Um, that would be under the guidance of a, you know, physical therapist lifting, you know, one rep max type lifting. And we do not do that in this, in this class or any of my classes that I teach. So, but I'll take a little credit for it. <laughs> sure. You know, absolutely. Like I, I'm sure I'm part of them. I'm, I'm one piece of that puzzle and I'm honored to be recognized in any small way. Yeah. Um, and this will probably, I mean, what you're talking about, those success stories are probably why you love this job, but why, why else do you love doing what you do right now for somebody that might be interested in getting into this? Well, I think it gives you a purpose, right? It mm-hmm. gives you a purpose. It gives you, um, I've got a lot of little notes saying that they, their lives have been changed. I mean, that's huge to me, um, especially when I do consultations. Oftentimes I'll get people who will go to the BoneFit site uh, with uh, Osteoporosis Canada and they'll find me because they're like, oh gosh, we all live in the same city or for whatever reason, they come to me as opposed to another bone fit person, but they see that I do consultations and people are coming to me, Erin, and they are terrified to move. And not only are they terrified to move, they're terrified to breathe. Like they're just walking around like a rigid machine because their doctor said, 
Don't lift anything over 10 pounds. Make sure you move from your hips. Don't twist. Don't do that. Don't do this. And they are just plain old scared. They don't know what to do anymore. So when I assure them that all is well, that they can still live a a valuable, productive, fracture-free life just by doing some very simple things and including them into their life, starting by breathing. Um, I know I've made an impact because you can see the stress that they come to me with, that the tension that they're holding in their body, uh, I'm pretty sure it, it stays with them, not just online with me. They're moving about their day that worried about everything. And so, yeah, giving them the power, empowering people is really, it's such a freaking gift. I can't even, like, I don't even know how to put it into words. Just knowing that I'm making a small difference in people's lives, whatever that might be. Some people, and that this is what the fitness professional out there has to know. Some people, you may be the only person they talk to all day. or all week. And so making sure that you spend the time that you acknowledge them, that you see them as a person, it can make a huge difference in that person's life. So knowing that you do have a lot of influence on their life and your words mean something to them. I have so many students saying, I was in line and I kept hearing your voice. Don't kick my hip out to the right, stand nice and tall, drop my ribs, breathe into like all the silly things that I might say within class or actually with people in everyday life. And like, how cool is that? That you made a difference that it they're they're incorporating some of the movements that you teach in a fitness setting for one hour a week in their life. Like mind blown, mic drop. You it's know? the best. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a privilege really. Yes. Yeah. Is this something that you do full-time or part-time? It is, it is my, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Like I used to be prior to focusing on bone health. I used to be the corporate girl in the city, 15 classes a week, walking around with a yoga mat and some Pilates balls, like in a big fishnet laundry basket, walking down Bay Street, which is kind of like our corridor to the financial district and law firms and hospitals. And I did all of that. And then, well, I was having fun, but I was certainly burning out. And then when the pandemic came and everything closed, I had nothing. I went from 15 classes a week on a subway all my classes being canceled by the time I came above ground. It was like cancel, 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 cancel all on the day, March 13th, 2020. Unemployed. Then I started back up with some community centers online. And then I went, wait a second, I can do this myself. So I now only teach and have a full-time career, three group classes, a couple of privates a week, And I do the occasional consultation, one or two consultations a month. That's it. And that, however, with the amount of interaction I want to have with my students, I don't have to, I want to have, I have not automated registration systems or anything like that, it's full-time. And financially, it's full-time too. So I know a lot of your listeners are probably going, how can she make a living? We could do we could do the math if you want. 
I don't know if you're interested in doing the math, but it it is possible. Yeah. I, I feel like some people are doing this as a full-time career like yourself. Yeah. But you and don't have to burn to yourself. Be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It just depends, right? It depends mm-hmm. on how you price yourself. You know, I, I realized for me that drop-ins are not feasible financially, number one, and number two, uh, administrative wise, just not, you're going to be on your, uh, in fact, I am, I do do more administration than I do teaching. Um, but that's okay. That's part of owning your own business and having not to split your profits with a company that implants you into a law firm. And, you know, they mm-hmm. take this much, you get this much. And um, so yeah. there are benefits to both, right? Um, sure. But I'm choosing to, at this point in my career, not have to answer to anybody. And as I said, I teach my own way, my own style, and you like it or you don't, you know, and this is just me. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, I, I ma- I've managed to make a full-time financial career, but technically teaching definitely part-time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so people that might be thinking about getting into health and fitness or yeah. specifically doing more bone health, like what you're doing, what mm-hmm. advice would you get that give them before they pursue a, this field? Don't do it for money <laughs> on another note. Just like, just don't. Because there are way easier ways to make a living than what you and I do for a living. Um, I absolutely love it with every fiber of my being, but it is a lot of work, right? I can't just walk out of an office. I can't just, you know, whatever, close the door and be done. I'm getting emails and working at 11 o'clock at night some nights, you know? Um, So what advice? Do it because you're passionate about whatever modality you want to get into. There's got to be a passion. Mm, Yeah, number one, just be passionate about it. And if you're not, don't bother. Because people will know, right? You know the person who's teaching because they're the one who pack up their bags as soon as they're done the class, logs off, mm, um, comes in, drops their bag two seconds before class starts. You know those people. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not judging. I'm not judging them. Let's be fair. Everybody's got to make a living. And if that's how they've chosen to make it and they're successful, more power to them. I'm just not that person anymore at this stage of my life. I want to, I want to know people. Yes. Yes. That relationship part is so big about working with this demographic. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's such an important part for them. And as an instructor, I find it's just, it makes the job that much more meaningful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that we I love anyway, but having those relationships with the people that come to your class is, is just the icing on the cake. It sure is. Yeah. 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 Um, this has been a great time with you, Diana. I love everything that you've contributed to this conversation and um, I've learned so much from you. Is there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't cover? Um, I think the only thing I want to say as the market continues to grow for people with bone health issues is that there is a distinct difference between reading a book, watching an Instagram post, and saying you're qualified to teach someone with a specific health condition. So yeah, I mean, I've done a cancer exercise course, but I only did that one course and I never did anything else. So I never t- 
taught specifically. I just used what I learned. If I had someone who's in, you know, treatment or post-treatment, I had some skill set. But would I call myself a specialist in cancer exercises, exercises for cancer patients? Absolutely not. So I think even if you have a specific condition, you could relate to it, but it does not qualify you. And again, nor does it qualify me just because I've done a few courses and I'm, I work with an organ or volunteer with an organization and I've just spent my whole, you can see my night, my nightstand table is full of literature, but I stay abreast of all the latest research on osteoporosis too. So like this is constant learning that has to occur if you want to find that niche, it's never going to stop, nor it should, right? Because um, studies are constantly being published. Papers are constantly being published. So if you are going to go into a niche market, whatever your niche market is, teaching older adults, um, just make sure you're very well-versed and confident in your knowing. And to that, there was a particular question I had on neck exercises, and I didn't know the answer to that. And so I went to BoneFit Canada, and the professor happens to be uh, Dr. Laprad at BoneFit Canada. And I sent her an email, and I said, Dr. Laprad, can you clarify what is the protocol for? And even Margaret, there was something about lateral Mm -hmm. bends that someone asked, you go to your source, but you have to make those connections because you've taken the time to become educated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The education doesn't stop. Yes. It's it's ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes you get apart as a fitness professional to keep that education going. Yeah. Never yeah. stop learning. Never, never, never stop <laughs> learning. Right. I, right. So fun. Yeah, like to that note, can we just say something really funny that happens to me often? And it's usually a, dem- a younger demographic. Good for you for taking courses still. I, I'm not sure how to respond to those comments, but thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not sure. Am I supposed to stop learning because I'm 55 and I have gray hair? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you and I know the answer to that, of course, but a good for you and a pat on the head is a really uh, interesting uh, perspective from people. <laughs> I'm so brave. <laughs> yeah, it, It's an interesting perspective, but I will say I feel like that's one of the things about being in this industry and advocating for health and fitness and being active and putting yourself out there on social media, the younger generations are watching. Mm. And I, I, and maybe it's not the right to be like, yeah, good for you, but it's showing them like what, what this season of life can be like. Yeah. And it's, just showing engagement in life at all stages. Exactly. And um, I I think it's like the younger people are watching and it, it it gives them maybe a different vision of what their life can look like decades from now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to put links to your website, to your Instagram account, your YouTube channel, Awesome. Is there anywhere else that people can find you if they're interested in seeing what you do or taking a class from you? Yeah, I think those are pretty much the resources that would be best uh, suited. I'm not really huge on Facebook. I can't manage 
Facebook and Instagram, although my stories do go on Facebook, but I think Instagram and my website will give people a very general idea of who I am and as will my YouTube channel and my classes that I post on the occasion. So yeah. Okay. I will have links to all of those um, so people can find you if they're interested in taking a class or maybe they're interested in, you know, learning more about what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You are providing an amazing service. Thank you. And thank you. Helping improve their health. And and if I, and if I can say one more thing before we go, Mm Erin, if any instructors out there want to understand the basic fundamentals of osteoporosis, what it is, um, I highly recommend, I know, um, a lot of your audience might be in the United States, but www.osteoporosis.ca has some amazing free resources that anybody can learn from. But additionally, their Too Fit to Fracture has a protocol up there. It's in person when I used to do wellness fairs, we had like a rip out handout sheet on the things that you need to do to help support strong bones. And that's that Too Fit to Fracture. So I highly recommend people check out Osteoporosis Canada. They can even Google okay. just Osteoporosis Canada. Yeah. Some amazing resources for all of us to learn from. I will put a link to that in awesome. the show description. So that, that's great. Okay. Um, this has been wonderful, Diana. I know we'll stay in touch on Instagram, social yes, media. Please. This has been wonderful. And I had a lot yeah, of fun. We'll, Thank you so much. Yes. This is something <laughs> too. Maybe we'll talk awesome. again sometime. For sure. I'm sure we will, Erin. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Second Act Fit Pros. If you are in your second act and interested in pursuing a career in health and fitness, email me at secondactfitpros at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you. If you are a health and fitness professional and serving the over 50 population, I'd love to hear from you as well. Email me at secondactfitpros at gmail.com. Don't stop moving.